0: Welcome to God is Open. I'm your host, Christopher Fisher. Today on God is Open, we're going to be doing a review, a response to this uh, Trinity Radio, Season 7, Episode 11. Atheists, Calvinists, and Open Theists, oh my, oh my, right? Very scary stuff here. But their topic of concern is the future. If God knows the future, must the future be fated to happen? And they address Atheists, Calvinists, and then they move on to Open Theists, we're going to start there and see what they say about open theism.
1: So, so anyway, um, so be, you were going to go on about open theism. So we, we've yeah. talked about how the atheist handles this, how the Cal- Calvinist handles this, a little bit about how we've handled this. Yeah. Well, we really haven't talked about how we've handled this, but we've done that on other episodes. Um, you
2: Go ahead and talk about the open theism. Now, the, open, the open theism, their charge is... Uh, very similar to Calvinists on this. They're, they're kind of strange, uh, what Dr. William Lane Craig calls strange bedfellows on this issue. Because like the Calvinists, um, the open theists will argue that if God knows something will be future, then you, that negates free will because it is necessary. It is not a contingent thing. It's necessary. If God knows it, it will happen. You can't do otherwise. It is yeah, Calvinists and theists agree agree on that.
0: All right. So let's define our terms real quickly here. I'm not sure if they did it. I, I must have missed it if they did it. But uh, what type of knowledge are we talking about here? So there's the Platonic knowledge, the Platonist idea of knowledge, where God's knowledge is of actual events. God's knowledge can't change. God can't receive Knowledge from sources outside himself, so his knowledge of the world is based on actual events that do exist. He's not always receiving knowledge, uh, inputting knowledge onto himself because he's, of course, eternally simple and uh, perfect and can't gain in any attribute whatsoever. So, is this knowledge that God receives from outside himself, or is this object-based knowledge? God knows the future because the future exists to be known. It's it's an object. And uh, just that like I know the present, I know I'm waving my hand like this because I see it, I experience it, that's now registered in my knowledge set, right? Does God know the future in that way? Or does God know the future in the w- same way I know the future? I know that uh, tomorrow I'm going to get up, I'm going to go to work, I'm going to have you know, coffee at work. Uh, I've made these predictions uh, a dozen times, maybe two dozen times on my podcast, every single time I'm right. I know the future. But what kind of knowledge of the future do I have? I have knowledge on very probable events based on my knowledge set, my knowledge of how the world works, my volition, my, my ability to, to bring about my will, and just my knowledge of uh, generally how the world functions and operates. I can predict the future with relative accuracy. Everyone can. Everyone lives day to day making all sorts of infinite number of predictions about the future and, the, and their lives pretty much play out according to these predictions. Yeah, sometimes we get major predictions wrong and that leads us into bad circumstances, but almost everything that we do, we're making correct predictions about the future. When I drive on the road, I predict that the road's not going to be suddenly an illusion. I'm going to fall into a, 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 a huge pit and my car is going to explode like that. My knowledge of how the road functions and how my car functions gives me accurate knowledge of what my trip to work is going to look like. So what, what kind of knowledge does God have? Does God have knowledge as of, of events as they actually are? Or does he have knowledge of events like I have knowledge of events? And no, my knowledge of the future is not exhaustive. I don't know every single twitch of the thumb I'm going to do when driving to work. I don't know every single car I'm going to pass or anything like that. I know major things that I I have uh, volitional control over. It's not the details that matter. It's it's the major events. And this is how we see God knows events in the Bible. Like Isaiah talks about this a lot. God says, I know these things because I make them happen. Isaiah 40 through roughly Isaiah 48. He says, uh, I say it and then it comes to pass. And then you know that I did it because I told you what I was going to do before I did it. God can make things happen because he has volition and power to make those things come about. That's how God knows the future in that sense. We don't see very many predictive crystal ball prophecies in the Bible. That's not how typically how prophecy works. And typically prophecy is meant to be subverted. God doesn't want his prophecy to come true. So prophecy acts as a warning against a particular people at a particular time to subvert what God says is going to happen. So what type of knowledge does God have in the Bible? That's a second question. In addition to the question of what type of knowledge are these guys talking about on this radio? Inquiring minds want to know.
2: Yeah. And so... Uh, many of them. <laughs> yeah, we got to qualify everything. <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't. Qualifiers... Uh, Paul, Paul didn't say... When he agreed that Cretans Crete, were all... all Cre- yeah, He didn't say, well... Uh, <laughs> most. yeah. <laughs> no, he quotes the guy and says, yep, yeah. <laughs> you got it. Yeah.
0: So yeah, I like this point here. You don't have to qualify everything. Calvinists say this. No, not every Calvinist says that. Like, shut your face. Calvinists say this in general. It's it's a generality. It doesn't have to be all encompassing. And if, uh, if it's true to experience, then you could say it as a blanket statement. So they're right there. Uh, no need to be pedantic in any arguments and no need to be like, not all, not all think that.
1: No, uh, you it's know. in Titus for this, right? <laughs> right. Titus, yeah, yeah, it's in Titus. And so,
2: so, so I mean, you know, I mean, qualify th- That's, I mean, that's just nitpicky. If you're that pedantic, get out of show business, but, um, or stop watching podcasts like this because everyone, <laughs> everyone, you know, just, okay, just qualified. To but, death. but
1: your point is, Calvinists and open theists agree Three on that, that. that. If
2: God knows the future, it's determined.
0: Then we don't have free will. right,
2: and therefore.
0: Oh, what kind of knowledge are we talking about? If God knows the, the future in an object-based way, whereas nothing could happen except for what God knows the future will bring about, there's no contingency, there's no uh, potentiality for the future to eventuate in any different way. How is that different than fatalism? And by what mechanism does God know the future? And is God stuck in fate as much as we are? There's a whole podcast that we have uh, dedicated to responding to Molinism. And Molinists don't like it because Molinists are inherently contradictory. They, they don't think of their positions and they think that playing word games actually gets them out of these lo- logical binds. But the problem is the same problem that uh, is for the reason every single time travel movie breaks down because you have an effect before the cause. So if people are causing it in the future, but it is known before they cause it, you know, cause and effect are reversed there. And it just breaks down. Inherently, it breaks down. So can God tell me what I'm going to do tomorrow? What type of shirt I'm going to wear tomorrow? And then can I choose to wear a different color shirt? And uh, if I do, if I do choose to wear a different color shirt, then he didn't tell me what shirt I will wear. Will is important. Will 100% wear In light of everything he tells me, I'm going to wear some sort of shirt tomorrow. So if God can see the future and God knows what type of shirt I'm going to wear, in light of him telling me what type of shirt I'm going to wear, can God tell me what type of shirt I'm going to wear and then will I wear that shirt? Either I'm fated to wear the shirt that he tells me or I have free will. I could wear a different shirt, right? Those are your only two options. Either uh, everything's fated or people have free will and the future's not set.
2: Or libertarian free yes. will. Yes. God created, expecting, given the gifts he gave to Adam and Eve, expecting. He knew, for open theists, he knew, but not, was he knows all possibilities that could have happened. Well, yeah, you, have, you left yeah, that out. Yeah.
0: So, yeah, that would be a neo-Molinist, open theist view. And so if you want to be... If you want to break open theists in the categories, you could say the neo-Molinists believe that God knew all possible futures at all times. So that's the Boyd position. But then there's also the biblical open theist position, which doesn't care quite as much about these speculative categories. Yeah, Yeah.
2: because this is the thing. A lot of people don't know what open theism is. Right. Open theism believes that God knows all possibilities just none of them for certain so what he's saying is so with the <laughs> open theist <laughs> yeah <laughs> no right.
1: honestly because some open theists will say he he can't know because he can well they might still say what you're saying yeah that he knows all if the there's a the greg boyd
2: infinite chess player model yeah.
1: then he but then
2: it's Molinism without the decree and certainty
1: right. typically it's, they'll typically
2: in the more general
1: sense they'll say he doesn't. He, he doesn't all. know all future contingents. That is, he doesn't know right. every action, free action in the future. But he
2: knows them as all future might counterfactuals. Yeah, might might be that way. Might counter they, yeah. they, they, they. He knows possibilities as possibilities, not at any one possibility that will actually become certain. Either because it can't.
0: These are these are Hellenistic categories that these guys uh, very much care about, and so. Uh, they're putting it on open theists because a lot of open theists think in these Hellenistic categories as well. And it's it's not a problem if you think in these categories, but uh, some of us categorically reject what you're talking about because that wasn't the Israelite mindset. That wasn't the ancient Jew didn't care about these, well, God knows all possible futures no the uh, ancient israel cared about relationships they cared about action they cared about give and take relationships with yahweh their creator who they could act upon who they could who could they could pray to and who would respond who sometimes was unresponsive and so they had to try harder and uh, scream louder they had to pester him pester him throughout uh, the Psalms. A lot of that is like, why are you hiding your face? I've been crying to you day and night. Uh, they're, they're trying to goad him into action. This this is this relationship that they care about and they function under. They don't function under this Hellenistic mindset. Oh, God knows all possible futures or God is uh, micromanaging all current events or watching meticulously all current events. Sometimes God ignores things in the Bible and, and things need to be brought to the forefront of his attention in the Bible. Those, those are more Israel-like categories rather than this uh, the Hellenistic metaphysics that we're talking about right now.
1: be known right. because the future isn't real right. yet, or because he chooses not to know. Yeah, He puts
2: it aside. That's one thing I never understood, the self-limiting. Yeah. But anyway, it's making so, a but, comeback. But general open theists, in general, would say, God essentially rolled the dice because love and free will is worth it, and all this. And so, and when this he, is a this is rising in popularity. I think it's
1: important to state that this is. Yeah. You know, well, I, I don't know if it's rising in popularity in general, but I can tell you this: as I've been on a couple of different seminary campuses this year, and I talk with young seminarians all the time, it seems like this is an increasingly attractive
2: position for some people. And I'd like to say that one of those seminary campuses was a Southern Baptist seminary <laughs> campus. <laughs> that's true. So you've got open theists, Baptist folk. <laughs>
0: that's good, that's good. I, I think there's uh, another rise in open theist with people who care about the text of the Bible, people who care about ancient Semitic thought, uh, ancient Israelite religion, rather than speculative philosophical categories. And so you got the the Thomas J. Ords of the world pressing the philosophy that God is love and God can't be coercive, and the Boyd's of the world talking about uh, God's interaction with evil and the world, and and the reason why there's evil is because uh, God didn't meticulously plan everything to happen. And then you got the people who are textually focused. And so I I think there's multiple angles of approach here. And as these traditional barriers, these traditional mindsets were. Oh, you have to believe what this uh, systematic theology said over here, and uh, let's appeal to authority and care about tradition. Uh, As those barriers are broke down in uh, in Western thought, as people are returning to the text of the Bible or turning to a more relational model, you you find more acceptance of open theism. It's it's not as contentious as it used to be,
2: or at least open to open theism right <laughs> open to open theism, yeah yeah but they're not out pronouncing it's but, the but for
1: simplification if you've never studied theology before you will not be you you it will be an overgeneralization, but it will not be false to say that open theists
2: don't think god knows everything right and so that's <laughs> their way out of on theodicy is like he didn't know it was going to happen yeah he knew that it could yeah but it also
0: So the the boys of the world, they, they, they keep the terms like omniscience, that God knows everything as defined by all facts that are available to be known at any single time God knows. So as facts come into existence, they're automatically in God's data set. God knows all facts as they arise, but the future is not facts as we would think of facts, like set objects to be known, and therefore God doesn't know the future in the same way. And it's, it's also going to be interesting to point out that William Lane Craig, who they quote here, and they, they quote him actually uh, supportively, he, in his interviews, admits that God doesn't have all knowledge. God doesn't have experiential knowledge. God doesn't have knowledge gained through experience. Because in the William Lane Craig mindset, God is this perfect, pure simplicity, abstract, uh, Greek Hellenistic category, and has to work by these metaphysical laws and rules and and uh, formulas and uh, it doesn't leave room for him to gain knowledge to himself like increase his knowledge set be able to gain from outside himself that's uh william lane craig will reject those categories as we've quoted him in the past two minute open theism go look on the two minute open theism video on knowledge Quotes William Lane Craig saying exactly that.
2: Also could have gone well. Mm-hmm. And, and then, of course, you know, there's Bible verses. Well, I expected to yield grapes, and all I get is sour grapes. I mean, or you know. Genesis 6,
1: six. the Lord was sorry that he made man on the earth. Right. Uh, Genesis 18.17, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? You know, whenever the angels come to Abraham, and then they're yeah. going to go down to uh, Lot. Right. And, and, they're, and he's saying, shall I, I hide this from Abraham? Shall yeah. I tell Abraham? Well.
0: I think you, I think you missed the key verse there. Oh,
1: shouldn't you know? You know so, <laughs> so and, well, there's one. There's a-
0: no. You missed the key verse. He says uh, that he's going go to go down to Sodom to confirm the ru- rumors which have been brought to him, and uh, he'll know if it, it's not the case. If if the rumors which were brought to him did not turn out to be accurate, and so it's it's God not knowing the future in that verse. So you quote a different verse, and you bring up a different objection. Uh, but let's, let's backtrack a couple verses. That's that's a better
1: one. Let me read a couple more of these because okay. I want to give him a fair hearing here. Yeah. Genesis twenty two twelve. Now I know. Now I know that you fear God. Yeah. Right. Uh, Jeremiah seven thirty one. Which I did not commit is the big one. Which yeah. I did not command, and it did not come into my mind. He yes. says.
0: That's not the big one.
1: Now let me go ahead.
0: Uh, yeah, he's going to probably have a very valid response right now. Since I'm on
1: the scripture here, throw out the. Uh, texts that are used against open theist a lot of the time. Psalm 139.4.
0: Well, go, going back to the Jeremiah one, he's talking about the command, the command to sacrifice their children to Yahweh or other gods. It uh, was never a command that he thought to give to Israel. In fact, he prohibits it earlier in uh, the, the Torah text, and he, he imposes the death penalty on people who would sacrifice their own kids to Yahweh because a Yahweh child sacrifice cult had arisen at the time. So it's not God saying, I never thought you would do this activity, but it is God showing in the in the text disgust and astonishment that they did partake in that activity, just not that wording was about the command. The wording that it never came into mind is was in relation to the command to sacrifice their children to Yahweh, which is something that he detests. But the shock is all there, and and the the overall context supports the reading that this is a surprise to God.
1: You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. Psalm 139, 16, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life, not every day that might be of my life, every day of my life was recorded in your book.
0: Uh, Yeah, and and John Calvin actually talks about that. And he says that's not actually what the text says. And this is John Calvin talking. And John Calvin says this is more about uh, fetology, that uh, you knew all my members as they were written, as they were forming. And uh, if you pull up uh, On God is Open, Psalms 139, I should have a whole article on that. You can get my book. I could give you my book for free if you just reach out and contact me. I got the, the whole breakdown of Psalms 139, this this uh, major proof text for omniscient foreknowledge. And it's nothing of the sort. It's nothing of the sort. In fact, contextually, David says, search me and know me. See if there's any bad ways in me. So he's he's inviting God to test him and for God to learn about him through this personal relationship. God has searched me and known me. So God knows David because God searched David. That's the context of Psalms 139.
1: A moment was laid out before a single day has passed, had passed. Isaiah 40 through 48 repeatedly states that God knows the future before it occurs.
0: <laughs> we covered that. And so what's that knowledge based on? Is that the crystal ball knowledge of the future? Is that the active knowledge where God internally has all these events recorded in his mind? He's not receiving any knowledge from outside himself. Or, or is that the open theist way of knowing the future? I know I'm going to go to work tomorrow because I have the power and volition and will to do that, to bring it about. What does Isaiah 40 through 48 argue? Is he arguing an open theist point? Is he arguing like an open theist with open theist arguments? Or is he arguing with negative theology?
2: Yes, and I think that our position on all of these texts makes the most sense out (laughs) of all of them. (laughs) And I I don't get open theism and I don't get Calvinism, but I do get where they get along on this. But for theodicy, the open theist is like, yeah, I mean, um, they go one way. You know, God didn't determine any of it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And sometimes he's sometimes actually generally...
0: Yeah, I think he's determined a lot of it, a lot of the major events. And a big story of the Bible is God manipulating nations into where he wants them to be, such as the Babylonian and Assyrian captivities, which was a result, a consequence of Israel's sin, where in Ezekiel it talks about this whistling. God entices these people to act on his behalf, to act as his judgment against Israel. And because they're so excessive, then he punishes them for their excessiveness in their punishment, which they were enacting.
2: i surprised at how wicked his creation can be. So, and the Calvinists are like, nope, God determined all of it. You know, yeah. every last thing that they would not have done it had God not given them the desire to do this. Right. Because that's how it works. You always have to work, you know, if...
0: So typically when people are talking about open theists, they, they straw man open theists. So they say, well, if God doesn't know one thing in the future, that means open theists say God can know nothing about the future. Or if they say, if God didn't predetermine one thing, that means open theists say God can't predetermine anything. But no open theist I know has ever made that argument. In fact, a lot of open theists such as Sanders talks about this future as being partially open and partially closed. And I don't like this terminology because it's too much... uh, Greek metaphysics, it seems to be like pandering to these these Hellenistic categories, but that's exactly how mainstream open theists talk, is that the future is partially open and partially closed. So the straw manning, where uh, open theists is the opposite spectrum of Calvinism, uh, that, that's a false straw manning.
2: I was to punch Braxton in the face, and God determined that that obtained. God has to give me the strongest desire to punch you in the face or otherwise I might not because on compatibilism right. you act according to your strongest right. desire.
1: So the only or way... Or he has it, to set up a causal chain that will ultimately lead Result to the, in your strongest desire yes, being to punch me in the face. Which
2: would mean he would also have to... The only way I'd ever punch Braxton in which the face... Which is one good reason, by the way, I have to say this. I yeah. have
1: to break in and say this, which is one good reason why trying to say, Adam had libertarian free will and was the only one who ever did, or he and Eve, and that gets God off the hook, so to speak. Like God's not now determining that you'll punch me in the face. That's determined by your fallen nature.
0: Yeah, the Calvinists, when they go to this, Adam had free will, Adam wasn't under this original sin, they, they're they violating all their metaphysics. And so that's that's one sticking point in all these debates that they can't actually answer. Uh, they don't know how to answer that because uh, it violates their metaphysics where where God is pure actuality, pure simplicity, knows all events beforehand, predestined all events beforehand, but then also Adam is not predestined to fall. It doesn't line up. It's 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 a disconnect in their metaphysics based on their preaching. And the Calvinists will do this often, like the John Piper. I just posted a quote by John Piper where he's like, uh, what gives God the greatest glory is when people feel close to him or something like that. It's like, what? What? Calvinists think that this current world is a God maximizing glory equation, whereas if there was one less child rape in the world or one more child rape, one less or one more child rape, then this world wouldn't maximize God's glory. So what's this talk, John Piper, about how we can maximize glory to God? It, it's, it's, there's a disconnect between your teaching in your metaphysics, and, and it, there has to be. There's, there is this cognitive dissonance. Every time the Calvinist talks on subjects other than metaphysics, it'll contradict with their metaphysics. They, they're double-tongued.
1: Why that doesn't work? Because God's intent was to set up on Calvinism a state of affairs such that your strongest desire will be what it is that you do.
2: Yeah, and not only that, but the only way I'd ever punch Braxton in the face is if he like said something horribly nasty about my wife. Which would mean... I would never do such a thing. Well, <laughs> she reads my unless novels. God set up the cosmos to where... <laughs> right, right, ...eventually, your ultimate greatest unchangeably, desire... Unchangeably. Unchangeably, yeah, is to yeah. say something completely terrible. So, In your, which case,
1: you shouldn't punch me in the face unless it's your strongest desire. Because the fact of the matter is, I couldn't help it. Unless an ought doesn't imply it can, which it certainly does. Yeah.
2: But anyway, <laughs> so on Calvinism, or compatibilism, uh, God makes him say, ultimately decreed from eternity past and set up the universe to where it was determined that he couldn't do otherwise, to say something nasty about my wife, which is wicked, and then I punch him in the face, which is wicked, and this whole thing and maybe God will will also determine that we'll feel bad about what we did and then we'll have a stronger friendship afterward instead I, of us just being decent people and being horrible people all on our own and saying bad things and punching each other and then I really, I really hope that
1: this isn't someone's first episode of Trinity Radio yes. because this is extremely complex if you've never studied this stuff
2: right um, well but if you haven't then um, we just, have a course for that yes and, <laughs> but I mean you know we've thought a lot about this so if what we're saying sounds horrible that God would ever do such a thing well Okay, so so let's, let's, let's generalize the landscape here
1: because we're about to point out the point of this show. And yes. one of the criticisms that came from an atheist on the YouTube channel that also comes from our Calvinist and open theist friends,, yes. many of them, okay? And that is that um, since the atheist agrees that uh, many atheists agree with the Calvinist and with the open theist that if God knows all future events, including your choices, then you didn't really have any free, any libertarian freedom to make real choices. It was, it, it couldn't have been otherwise, because here's the thing, if it could have been otherwise, well then God might be wrong, right? Yeah. So, and God can't be wrong. So if he knows all future events, and he knows that we were gonna do this podcast, did we really ever have a choice to do this podcast or mm. wasn't it destined that we would do this podcast? Because after all, God knew we would do this podcast and he can't be wrong therefore we will end up doing this podcast and and, and and that's all fine here's here's the leap of logic since it since God knows it and therefore we will end up doing this podcast, we had to do this podcast. yes it was necessary that we do this podcast
0: right because uh, you have the effect preceding the cause. It's uh, the reason any time travel movie breaks down. So what type of knowledge of the future does God have? Does God have knowledge that he gains from outside sources, outside of himself? Is his knowledge of the future object based, that the future exists as if to be known? Or does God experience the present and is continually gaining new experience and new information at all points of time? Does God know the future due to some sort of Predictive model, which could be wrong, as as God says throughout the Bible. He says, "I expected you to do this. This happened instead. I expected uh, you to return to me. You didn't return to me. I expected uh, you to see your sister and Judah, her actions, and uh, her to respond, and you didn't." got God's failed expectations in the Bible uh, is is that how God knows the future, where there is a possibility of being wrong. Or is it like this object-based active knowledge that is internal to God that he doesn't receive outside himself or knows through what means? What means? How does God know what he knows? What what type of knowledge is it? And a lot of these podcasts, they don't they don't address active knowledge. They don't address Platonistic knowledge versus my knowledge of the future, which is based on my predictive ability, my understanding about how the world works, casual knowledge, Factors, factors which can cause things based on my volition, based on my power, based on my wants and desires. I can put the pieces together and predict the future. How does God do it? Does God gain knowledge? I, I, I'd like them to answer that question. Does God gain knowledge? Is God in this state where he receives knowledge from outside himself? It'll, it'll kind of tell us what kind of knowledge that God has if, if they answer That question, if they're unfamiliar with these categories of knowledge, the Platonistic category of knowledge versus what you and I know and understand when we hear the word knowledge, there's this conflation of terms there.
1: And could not have been otherwise. Now that is a point on which many atheists, many Calvinists and many open theists all agree against us. Yes. And after a moment's break, we are going to respond to that charge before we do we're going to kick it over to sensei roth because if you don't know this we have a uh facebook page called trinity radio prime time discussion which you should be a part of and, okay on this very serious episode let's get back into it now let me let me set things back up for you to pounce it, because now what we're going to do is we're going to respond so here's here's our position we read the response we read the biblical data that is used often to respond to open theism so we do believe that god has Um, Exhaustive knowledge of all future contingents. We, in fact, you and I both also believe in middle knowledge. So we actually think he has knowledge of everything that could have been also. Um, But we also uh, don't believe, we also believe man has free will. So uh, we believe God knows all future events and we believe man is free because we think a multitude of uh, biblical passages don't make a lot of sense if man does not have libertarian free will, right? Right. Um, so what do we do? How do we respond to this then? How do we respond to the charge that if God knows all future events and cannot be wrong, then we can't possibly have free will?
0: Uh, I'm gonna venture a guess, venture a guess. You're gonna add a new category you're going to say that all events have potentiality, which uh, isn't fulfilled. Uh, but then the events are actualized as something else, even though they had potential to be otherwise. Although, re- in reality, in reality, they didn't, because if God foreknows the future from time eternal, then there actually is no potential to be other than what they are. You might say, "Oh, I could wiggle my fingers a little bit, uh, one more degree higher." Because I can imagine it happening. I can imagine it in my head. I, I know that my full range of finger fluctuations would uh, extend that far. But in reality, we can't do that. Because that wasn't foreknown, predestined to happen. There was, there was actually no potential for our fingers to flex in that degree. If it wasn't eternally done. If it didn't happen. There was no potentiality. What they What they do is they add this category on. And they try to win with linguistical tricks rather than through, through uh, sound logic. Okay, let's see if they do that.
1: How do we respond to the atheist, the Calvinist, and the open theist? Um, do you want to tackle that or do you want me to tackle that first?
2: Well, I'll, I'll tackle it like this. Okay. This is actually trivially easy to, to dispel, but it might be a little bit complicated. In modal logic, you have operators must... Mm-hmm. Would be, uh, or necessarily would be mm-hmm. an operator. So, and we're talking about
1: philosophical necessity, meaning right. could not fail to obtain, is true in
2: all possible worlds. Right. So mm-hmm. the claim is necessarily, God knows Braxton is <laughs> going to say something awful about my wife. <laughs> okay? Therefore, <laughs> Uh, and then Braxton, of course, says that. Therefore, Braxton necessarily said something. Horrible and that's about the my problem. Mind. And that's where the problem comes in. Yeah. If God knows I will, then I will. Yes. There's
1: no. There's. There's. There's no escaping it
0: And it's necessary. It does. You can't just introduce this new thing that doesn't actually exist. This play in words. You say, oh, there's this unknown variable which something is either necessary or not necessary, and that's, that's what pushes it over the edge, you're assuming this category without any evidence. You, you're not showing us how it's not necessary. You're not proving what you're trying to set out. And the fact that nothing else could happen other than what is known to happen means it is necessary. Even though our minds can uh, come up with these Oh, I didn't have to say XYZ, I could have said uh, Z, Y, W or something like that. Even though our minds can conceive it because it wasn't eternally actualized in the mind of God, who knows only all actual or, or all actual events that ever will happen as actual events that will happen. There is no possibility for it not to happen. Therefore, all these events are necessary. You can't play word games to get around this. And that's what the William Lane Craig's of the world like to do. And that's like what the atheists like George H. Smith points out that um, Christians are being very arbitrary in introducing these standards and they're operating by not very rational standards when they do this. It's it's word games. It's it's, uh, tricks uh, tricks of turns of phrases. You're turning phrases rather than dealing with the actual arguments. So show how there's this actual thing where these events are necessary or not necessary, rather than just assuming this category that doesn't make sense, doesn't line up to anything you've said thus far, and uh, doesn't line up with your idea that all these events are eternally foreknown as things that will actually happen and cannot otherwise, anything else can't happen, right? Every event that happens is a necessary event. In your worldview, uh, using a normal definition of the word necessary.
2: And necessarily, because God knows all things, He knows yes. that you
1: will. Yes, so he, you got to be really precise here. And people that want to pick at this and say, well, you're making it too complicated.
0: No, you're adding word games. That do- doesn't represent reality.
1: Sorry, these are some complicated issues. Now, we can state it simply. Yeah, Here's stating it simply. God's omniscience is necessary. Yes. But what He knows the, the actual co- future contingents are not necessary. What that does not mean is that if God knows them, they might not ha- happen and he might be wrong. It just means they didn't have to be that way. Right. They could have been otherwise. Right. If they had been otherwise, then God would have known
2: otherwise because he can't be wrong. Right. So you and I are having a recording a podcast right now God knew, necessarily knew, because he is omniscient and all-knowing and those all-future-free contingents knew that we would have this podcast and record it right now.
0: Right, and if God's knowledge is eternal, if God uh, is omniscient in the sense that it includes exhaustive knowledge of the future from all eternity, then every single event that happens is also a necessary event. It couldn't have been otherwise. There's no potentiality. It couldn't, could not have. Even though we could try to imagine in our minds things being different, that wasn't an actual possibility. That's an illusion of our mind. You're adding this false category that you made up in order to subvert this problem. This time travel paradox, which has already been discussed in full, which everyone else in the world rejects except for the people who want to pull on this arbitrary category that doesn't exist it doesn't uh, it's not rational not logical and it violates common sense time traveler paradox can god tell me what shirt color shirt i'm going to wear tomorrow and then can i use the information of what shirt i will no kidding 100% wear and then can i choose something else so either fatalism is true or either I have free will. You, you can't get both. You can't have God knowing the future in this uh, active omniscient sense in which he knows events as actualities without some sort of fatalism going on. It's, it's, it's the time traveler paradox.
2: If we had not recorded it, because it doesn't mean because he knew it that we had to, but had we done something...
0: There's no ifs in in that idea that God eternally knows all future events as actualities. There are no ifs it doesn't work. It's, it's not a category. Uh, you got reverse causation going on there. Uh, our minds reject that.
2: thing else, that's what God would have known necessarily. Right. But it doesn't mean that us doing this right here, right now is necessary.
1: And a really good way to remember this or to understand this. And it's this fallacious
2: is... to say it is because it doesn't follow that just because God necessarily knows something that what he knows is necessary.
0: So could it, could it have been otherwise? Yes or no? Then give me a scenario in which it could have been otherwise. Because your real answer is no. Everything that happens must happen exactly as foreknown since all eternity eternally in God's mind. Reality must mirror exactly what God eternally knew with no possibility for otherwise. You can't just introduce these false categories and expect them to be real things and to operate as if they were in spite of our mind's natural rejection of these categories. Look at this, this is a circle. All points are equal distance from the center, creating a constant curve. This is not a square, an enclosed object that has four equal sides at four equal angles. Um, you're just not considering that a circle has a property of a square. So really it is a square and a circle. No, look at the definition of circle and look at the definition of square. A circle cannot be a square. Again, yes. It does look like a circle and meets the definition of a circle, but you're overlooking that the circle has the squared property. Thus, while it is a circle, it is also a square. If it didn't have the squared property, I could see your point, but it does have the squared property. What's the squared property? It's a property that if an object has it, then the object is a square. But it's not a square. Yes, it is. It has a squared property. This is easy stuff. I don't understand why you don't understand this. It seems to me that you're just begging the question and committing the definist fallacy at the same time in order to uphold this arbitrary standard that's contradictory and against the definitions. You're just not as philosophical as me, so you don't understand. Yeah, I think we're done here. (laughs) Reading George H. Smith, Atheism, The Case Against God, a major flaw in the contingency argument lies in the artificial dichotomy between necessary and contingent existence. To say that something exists contingently makes sense only in the sphere of volitional action. So, for example, we might say that a building exists contingently, meaning that if a certain men had decided to act differently, the building never would have been constructed. With this exception, however, the idea of contingent existence has no application. Everything exists necessarily. In using the distinction between necessary and contingent existence as part of his argument, the theist smuggles in a crucial premise. He assumes that there are, in effect, two kinds of existence, deficient and sufficient. And George A. Smith is uh, 100% correct. Uh, he, he points out uh, this Arminian, this Molinist logic, that they're, they're smuggling in of ideas that are contrary to logic and sound reasoning. So I called it, I've been dealing with these Molinist types for a long time. I have uh, an entire thread that uh, I, th- I might have published it, but I need to, which, which I point out again and again, the flaws in this argumentation, the smuggling in of concepts, how the, it, it breaks apart under minor scrutiny. And they just assume these, these attributes onto reality without any evidence and against rationality. All right, so that's about uh, all the time we have for today's podcast. I'll kind of watch the end of this, make sure I'm not missing something crucial, but that's kind of what I expected would be their argument. And it's easy to shoot down. If you understand uh, their tricks of argument, their wordplay that they want to smuggle into the debate, you just call them out on it. It, It's arbitrary. It doesn't make sense. And uh, it's just just a play on words where they could try to have their cake and eat it too. All right, if you have any questions or comments on this podcast, leave a comment uh, down below or start a thread on God is Open. Thank you for listening.